What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Jay Renee, and I'm here with y'all this lovely Friday for Activism Across the Nation, brought to you by Plus Nation, okay? Please make sure that you add us, you add me. You can see below how to add me. Please make sure you also add the Plus Nation platform so you can see all of our shows that come on all week, including my show, which is every Friday from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. That makes that 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central Time. Thank y'all for being here. So we have another week under our belt. I hope that everyone is okay. I hope that you've taken some time to get you some rest and relaxation, some recuperation, and I hope that you've had some victories and uh, you know, this week in the things that you pursue. So this evening, um, we have a few things that we want to go over. You know, I'm still catching the rhythm of how I want to present everything to you guys. So if you were here last week, um, we had an all positive show where we focused on our wins. We focused on the things that we had been achieving and, and knocking out and finding justice in. So, you know, we always want to make sure that we... Um, we take a time to acknowledge our wins and, and acknowledge the things that we are accomplishing with this work. Um, we don't want to always just focus on the negative part of it. You know, there is it's a lot of negative to focus on. So focusing on the positive will keep us motivated to know what we do is important. And it also, you know, it's just good for the soul to not just always hone on the negative thing. So we want to make sure that we are doing that. So, Let's talk about some wins, okay? We're gonna talk about wins first. We're gonna bring that in. Um, that's something that I added new. So we're gonna be, every time that y'all do see me, wins are gonna be the first things that I talk about. So what are some of our wins? So Dante Mitchell, you've heard me talk about him before, okay? He's um, finally made it home. After 25 years uh, being incarcerated when he you know, did a crime that didn't have anyone that was harmed, or killed or anything like that. He had been sentenced to up to 65 years. He had been petitioning um, for the last few years for his freedom and he got his freedom. He got to come on out um, September 9th. Okay, so he is out, he is on this side of, of the G wall. So we wanna again, congratulate him um, for being home. Okay, congratulate him for being able to gain his freedom. So since he's been home, he's only been home since the ninth. He's definitely hit the ground running. He's been doing press conferences. He's been meeting with people to make UFD a real thing. So what is UFD? I've talked about it before. Um, if you check me out on Instagram or Facebook, you can see where I've uploaded some videos about it. And what UFD is, it is something that is for the people. Um, for people that's incarcerated and in, um, affected by incarceration, but it's also for the community. It extends past just the uh, uh, those affected by incarceration, but it is definitely with them in mind, okay? You'll be seeing much more about that. I hope to bring him on live one evening so he can talk about some of the efforts and things that he's been doing since he's gotten out. So congratulations again, bro. I'm glad that you made it on this side, and I can't wait to continue to do some work with you. So California passes a bill, it's SB2, okay? And the name of it is the Kenneth Ross Jr. Police Decertification Act. So this is something that is going to protect communities from officers that abuse their power. 
Um, I'm getting more details about that, but it definitely sounds like a great bill to have. I'm glad that California has passed this bill. It seems that California is pretty progressive when it comes to things. Um, they have some stuff to work on. They have some issues in some of the prisons there. I will be um, talking more about some of the issues in a prison there, San Quentin in particularly. But yeah, they passed this bill. Again, it's called S and that's Sierra as S. B as in Bravo 2. So SB2. And the name of it is the Kenneth Ross Jr. Police Decertification Act. And that's something that will protect um, the communities from officers that abuse their power. Um, you know, accountability is a big thing. And a, one of the reasons why we continue to see things over and over happening with the police is because the lack of accountability. So anytime that we can get any of these bills or laws or legislation that um, do this, we need to make sure we are paying attention and we need to mimic those things. When we, some, when we see something is working in one place, we should take that to the next place and put it in place there. That way we can have that legislation all the way across the board. So we have to learn from each other, learn from our achievements to know what to do, maybe find a formula to what works for us. Now it's, it's unfortunate that we even have to work so hard and come up with formulas and all of this stuff to get what we're owed, which is justice. But while that's something that we have to do, we have to, to use what works. So we wanna definitely um, send out a congratulations to that. So speaking of legislation, um, there's a brother by the name of Philip Smith, okay? He is currently um, incarcerated in Nash Correctional, that's in North Carolina, that has been working on some legislation with another incarcerated person that could change people that have gotten life with, without the possibility of parole. So what this legislation is, is those that have that sentence will have an opportunity to where they can get out, okay? And it's a series of things that they will have to do. It's different like schools. Of course, they can't get in any type of trouble and stuff like that. And then they'll have a board that will decide if they'll be eligible to fall under this legislation. So it's all written out. It's already been, um, it almost got voted in. There was a few, um, you know, how their vote goes, you know, majority vote win, but they definitely haven't stopped trying to get that into effect. If you're interested in supporting that cause and, and maybe being able to help make that push forward, you see the number right there, hold on. It, it's backwards, so I'm gonna figure it out. See that number right there? 914-655-4993. If you're interested in the SB2 bill legislation, um, text that number SB2 and information will be sent straight to your phone. All right, what else we got? So, okay, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation is launching a probe into um, a man that was um, brutally arrested, okay? This is a black man. He was brutally arrested by the police. I'm looking up the actual article so I could tell you more about it. I got it here on standby. So I'm gonna read quote it, and this is quoted from State Versus Us. I'm going to tell you more about that magazine as well. So Coffee County police viciously, viciously beat and tased Pernell Harris outside of his home for resisting arrest. Officers even grabbed Harris by his hair while they continued to hit him. Now Harris is in the ICU fighting for his life. An investigation has been launched into the incident. 
So yeah, the Georgia Bureau of Investigations has launched an investigation into this. Um, we're glad that that's happening. More police accountability, right? So with this happening in Georgia, we have to make sure that we keep our eye on it, okay? Anytime we see something going on, we want to make sure that we're keeping our eye on it because when we're not paying attention, that's a lot of times where they don't do the right thing. So I'm very glad that they've stepped in and we hope that, you know, justice is served in this case. And remember, every time something like this happens, the next time it happens, you have something to refer to. So that's another reason why this is important. Our little wins can can be wins for everybody after that. So it's, it's not just affecting that one person it will in, or will or can affect remember that's very important so hopefully they'll be able to you know get some justice for for that young man and i and i pray that he has a speedy recovery so let's talk about some wrongful convictions okay so leon benson he has been in prison for a crime that he has said he has been innocent from the beginning now in this case he has witnesses and testimonies and things of all of that nature that can prove his innocence. Unfortunately, the judges that he's been brought before don't want to take this evidence and their reasons. And I've noticed this as a trend with judges or some judges that they always want to say, well, you haven't brought this to me in a timely manner. And I think that's something else that we might need to look into to eradicate because it doesn't make any sense to me. It's not like these people that have to get this information are in the free world and they can go here, there, everywhere and collect it themselves. They're at the mercies of others. And you can ask somebody to do something. You can hope that they do it. You can even pay them, but that doesn't mean that they're going to do it. So these people are behind bars at the mercy direct hoping that they'll work hard for them to help them so sometimes things take a little time so i think it's highly unfair to put someone that's incarcerated in that position to where they can't they didn't bring or present something in a timely manner when it's out of their hands so that's what's happening um, with his case so if you would like to support mr benson you definitely can if you want more information on him, you can hit that number, 914-655-4993, and just text um, LB, okay? Look at this LB, and I'll give you more information. So Prentice Pons, this is another gentleman that falls under the same thing when it comes to the judge talking about um, information wasn't presented at a proper time or a timeline that they think someone should be able to do. Um, Prentice Pons, he was assaulted in his home. He defended himself. After defending himself, he rendered aid to the person that attacked him and called the police, something that every law-abiding citizen should do. Um, eventually, the, the man that assaulted him lied, and, and this is why he's incarcerated now. Just like the other case before him with Leon Benson, um, Mr. Pons has evidence, okay, that could clear him of all his charges. The problem, the judge says it wasn't brought to me in a timely manner. This is absolutely ridiculous that people have to stay behind bars because a judge decides that they didn't do something fast enough when they have no real positive control on how quickly that gets done. These people literally have to depend on somebody else to do it.
And most times people don't fight as hard for others as they would they self. You know, you can, you know, however you want to feel about that. It's just the truth. So, you know, if you want to support him, Mr. Pons, all you got to do is text that number. All right. Just text um, Pons and I'll send information directly to your phone about how you can support him. Another wrongful conviction. We got Kwame Teague. Okay. Kwame Teague was convicted almost 30 years ago for a crime that he didn't commit. The only uh, evidence that they had in that case was testimony from his co-defendant, a co-defendant that he was known not even to be friends with, not to even hang with or anything of that matter. None of the evidence that was collected was ever linked to Mr. Teague or anything like that. He's always um, he's always said that he was innocent. He claimed that since the beginning. He was a young man and his lawyers, thinking that they were doing the right thing, excuse me, decided that they was going to plead guilty and then, oh, well, we can go back and fix it later. The thing about that is not only was it illegal, um, when they went back to fix it later, the court dockets was missing. So everything that happened in court, you know, now I think they call a stenographer, right? And they at this little table or, you know, and they just clacking away. They are everything that's happening, they're keeping a record of it. And that's something that people get later. You know, once you, you go to court and all of that stuff, you're supposed to be able to get that. And it's, it's a true record of what happened. It's like live, you know, live on paper. So this is very, very important, especially in the appeals process, because your lawyers is going to need that information, you know, to assist you with your case. So when Mr. Teague went to get this information so he can work on his appeal, the courts didn't have it. They lost it. They couldn't find it. So you got time going by. You got money being spent on lawyers, right? And that's another thing they do. It's like lawyers and everything is so expensive. A lot of people don't have thousands of dollars to 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 do this. You know what I mean? So, you know, lawyers tap out, you know, not all lawyers is, is willing to do pro bono or willing to, you know, work from the heart. That's how they make their money, you know? So, you know, spending funds, waiting for them. They're looking for these files. They can't find them. So they recreate them. I don't know how you recreate live time. I, they, re, they recreate them. Think about something else. It's like, Wow, they really lost some things. Excuse me. So they recreate them. So once they're recreated, the you know the lawyer team look at them, and you can see that there's things that that's missing. You know they have information and little sidebar bar stuff of their own that you can see information is missing. So we already know that the recreation of live time makes no sense, but there's proof that things are missing, and he's still he's still there. You know what I mean? So. Um, Definitely another wrongful conviction. If you want to be involved in that and get more information, I'll definitely send it to you. All you have to do is text the number. Hold on, I got it right this time. This number right here, right? And text Teague. And that's uh actually just text Kwame. That'll be easier, easier. And that's K-W-A-M-E. So just text me that and I will send information directly to your phone about what's going on in that case and how you can support. So it's some things that the next part is get involved. Okay. So what does get involved mean? You know, as activists, we, that's what we do. We get involved. We boots on grounds. We might do, you know, um, 
a call for actions. We might do phone zaps, things like that. We're involved. We're actively doing something. You know, we're actively trying to to change. So there's some things that I want y'all to get involved with. Some things so you know that they're here. So one of the things I want to talk about is the Jim Crow event that's coming up. All right, and this is hosted by this very platform. We have a video that we'd like you to see so you can know more about what the event is about. So hopefully we can get that to play for you guys so you can just have a better understanding of the Jim Crow event and see if it's something that you would be interested in joining and being a part of. If you can't be a part of it, of course, that is okay. All you got to do, we would love for you to watch. So let's see if we can get that video played for you guys. We can't have a conversation about race in the criminal justice system without somebody talking about the new Jim Crow. The new Jim Crow is basically the Bible when it comes to answering questions around mass incarceration. The new Jim Crow is about how our system of mass incarceration threatens to undermine everything that we've worked for to get to this point in this country. If you think of a whole 200 years this nation's been in existence, we've incarcerated more people in the last 20 years than we did for the entire history of the United States. About reading the new Jim Crow is Michelle Alexander approached it initially from a skeptical point of view. And she started it by saying that she was someone who didn't believe that the prison industrial complex could be compared to slavery. And it was sort of taking a journey with her as she learned things she was sharing with people. The new Jim Crow makes the argument that our criminal justice system, especially the war on drugs component of it, has become a new system of racial caste subordination that operates very much like the old system of Jim Crow. Well, it's called the new Jim Crow because slavery is something that powered the South. And when that ended, they struggled to quickly find ways to maintain that system, but do it in a legal way. And the Jim Crow system was the best thing they came up with. It was a way to get people to still be indentured servants. When you bust them on minor offenses or things that are really trivial, and they're now in debt. And in order to pay off this debt, they now have to work on your farm. And they are working at wages that don't allow them to ever work off this debt. So there was actually a report written for the Nixon administration when he was running to say, listen, we have to demonize these people. We have to make it look like black people and these people in their, in their cities are a problem. And that is our clear path to winning these elections. So that which should be a public health concern has now become a criminal justice concern because there is a policy decision, in my view, that certain people are disposable. The convict label is a huge issue, and I think it's really one of the signal contributions of the book is the way in which Michelle is able to focus on that and really kind of describe some of the just sort of powerful ways in which you are permanently stigmatized. It's called in the criminal justice system collateral consequences, but really we can think of it as lifetime punishment because that's in so many cases what it is. They've made it impossible for people to rehabilitate when they come out of prison. The system is designed to break you and designed to make you feel like you're not a part of the society. You can't get a job because there's the boxes that you have to check if you've ever been convicted of a crime. And we've added to the number of categories, housing and jobs. We've made it harder in both of those areas as well. Once you're labeled as a, as a felon, you're barred from public housing, barred from public assistance, meaning 
welfare, and you're excluded from specific grants or loans for college. Oh, why would you we send this kind of cause? Because maybe they'll come out and join the workforce, right? Maybe they'll be an actual skill that people can use. So now, no housing, no vote, no job, and what we are asking you to do, supposedly, is to reintegrate into society. But we're making it close to impossible for you to succeed in that task. And that, to me, is one of the just most profound you know, injustices. Madam President, we have predators on our streets. That the society has, in fact, in part because of the neglect created. Again, it does not mean because we created that we somehow forgive them or do not take them out of society to protect my family and yours from them. They are beyond the pale, many of those people. Another thing about how uh, perspectives change over time. Bobby Rush, member of Congress, said the other day, I'm ashamed that I voted for the 94 crime bill. You ashamed of that bill? Not at all. Um, and in fact, I drafted the bill, as you remember. I know that. And by the I think that um, it tells you all you need to know. If you didn't know about Jim Crow before that video, I think you have a better understanding, okay? Now that event is that is this month. It's going on from the 13th to the 17th. Um, we definitely invite you to be in, involved, to have some dialogue, to come every day, to check out the different things that will be presented to you. And you can get easy access following through um, this platform right here. So please make sure that you, um, that you add this platform. So, other ways to get involved. So the San Francisco Bayview, if you don't know what that is, that is the national black newspaper. Okay. They're looking for some volunteer pen pals. Um, they reach out to different brothers and sisters that are behind the G wall and volunteers to write these people back. You know, some people don't have people back there and you'd be surprised what a letter would do. And some of these people have things that's going on with them and they come in in letter form. So they need more people that can just be actively involved to read these letters, to write back, to assist people with the problems that they're having. So if you would like to volunteer for that, hit the number up and just text pen pals. Okay. And I'll send you information on how to get involved. And that's being hosted by the San Francisco Bayview. So, um, Wilmington in Wilmington, Delaware. Okay, we need a council person that is needing some sh support. Her name is Shanae Darby. Okay, she is the council person for the second district in Wilmington. So, what's going on with her? Um, it seems like she is being targeted by other council members for her ability to stand up for the people and be the people's voice um, with no apology. We definitely need people in these type of positions that have that can do that. In the military, we used to call it intestinal fortitude. And what that um, equals is like have the balls, have the balls to stand up for when it's right in a room of people that's trying to make you do wrong. So um, I definitely support or Shanae, that's something that she has beginning and she's continuing to do. Um, unfortunately, like I said, it seems that 
the the other some of the other city council members don't feel the same way. So we want to definitely support her. If you want to stay up to date on what's going on with her, you can definitely reach out to me on any of my platforms and I will let you know how we can support Shanae. Okay. So shout out to her. So Leah, okay, so let's talk a little bit about Leah Boy eradication. So in Wilmington, in Wilmington, Delaware, and there's a few other states, a lot of states have gotten rid of it, but some states still have it. And Leah Boy, you know, it definitely needs to be eradicated. It needs to go. Why does it need to go? Because it is a whole different judicial system, pretty much, of between civilians and those that are, are, you know, police enforcement, or police. The police continue to get away with their crimes often because of Leo Boy. It protects them without a fault. It it keeps their, their names protected so officers can be, have a history of doing the wrong thing and no one will ever know. Um, that's completely unfair. I think that, you know, anybody in any other profession, if they continually do the wrong thing, you get rid of them. And it's public record. So why not? Why wouldn't it be like that for the police? I think that it's very important for people to know who is in the police force. If the police is who they they want to say that they are, you know, that it seems like a no-brainer to not protect them for, for, for doing their crimes. And Leobor seems to be like one of the major things that is protecting police officers. So Anybody that has information on how we can get rid of Leah Boer, eradicate it, anything like that, please reach out, text the number Leah Boer, text this number, text Leah Boer to that number so we can get together and try to find some ways to eradicate that. Okay, it definitely needs to go. So in San Quentin, remember I was telling you that there's some issues going on in some of the California prisons. So San Quentin, all right, there's a brother that's incarcerated there. He goes by the name of Knowledge Born, and he's an active five percenter. So he had to um, actually sue the prison to be able to even get anything to do with five percenting um, into, you know, a system there. People are allowed to freely practice religions and things like that. And even though being a five percenter isn't necessarily a religion, it falls under that frame. So he won his um, lawsuit and was given the ability to practice, but he is coming under a lot of discrimination. They are not letting him have the items that he needs. They are trying to um, be so actively involved, like they're trying to run it for him without knowing what they're doing, but they don't do that with any other group that meets. So he's definitely going through that. And he asked for people to assist, you know, remember what I said, it seems like, and it is, you know, a reality that we have to do so much to get our justices. So anytime that we see something going on, numbers matter, you know, it right now, he's just one man there and, and the people there. So he is asking for us a call to action for us to try to assist them in this manner. Okay. If you want more information, all you got to do is text this number, right? And text San Quentin. All right. And I will tell you how we can help this brother out and getting some, you know, getting treated right. It's a shame that we have to work so hard, but as long as we have to work, we're going to put in the work. That's what we're here to do. Okay. Okay. So let's tell you about this guy. So, and let me get it right. San, San Marcos. Okay. San Marcos police sergeant, Ryan Hartman. 
hit and killed a 56-year-old woman all right, while he was driving. And he was driving with an open container of alcohol in his vehicle. It was beer, I believe, okay? He done hit this woman, killed her, and he is on duty. He is living his best life life, like he has done nothing. Now, this is what I'm talking about when it comes to these two different judicial systems. Now, let that have been me. Let that have been you. Let that have been any other civilian, right, that had ran up and, and killed somebody. And they actually had an open container of alcohol. And then they didn't even breathalyze him like they would do anyone else. They gave him time. And anybody that knows signs, and if you don't, I'm going to let you know. After, as, as time passes, alcohol goes out of your system. So it brings down that, that blood alcohol level where they're supposed to test to see if you are, if you're drunk or not, if you're over the limit. So this man is back at work, living his best life. Like this person wasn't killed because of his negligence and nothing's happening. He hasn't been punished. So there are some people that are trying to coordinate to demand justice for this woman's family and accountability. It goes back to that accountability thing. These officers don't have accountability. So that's why they running out here doing all this kind of stuff. And it's our job to continue to fight to make sure they do be held accountable. So if you want to get involved with that, just text this number, um, San Marcos, and I'll let you know exactly what to do and who to link up with. So back to Wilmington, okay? We still have some some cases that are there that are open that are pending crimes by the police okay this evening i do have a guest that's going to come on she is the sister of someone that has been affected or someone she's a she's been affected by police violence and that's through her brother okay her brother lamar moses was killed murdered by newcastle county police and she's going to tell you more about her brother, more about the case. And this is something that I've talked to y'all about before, but I think that you need to feel it in a more real way. You need to know more about him so you can understand how it could easily be you, your brother. And it, you know, he's not, the, the police just aren't out here just shooting bad people. Innocent people get killed by the police all the time. Unarmed people get killed by the police all the time. Okay, so I'm about to bring her on. Okay, give me one moment. Let's see. Hello, my dear. Hi, thank you for having me on tonight. Yes, I can hear you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for coming on. Um, I have told my platform, you know, about your brother, about his case, how the police violated him. But I think that it's very important that they know the man that your brother was as well, you know, and I know that you're well more well versed in the things that happened with him. So I would like to give you the floor to give the people an opportunity to know your brother, the man, and not just the news article. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. This is my brother, Lamont Moses. Um, on January 13, 2021, um, my brother was murdered, um, by Newcastle County, um, police, um, in the city limits of Wilmington, Delaware. 
Um, Wilmington has its own uh, police department, Wilmington Police Department. So Newcastle County Police were um, outside of their jurisdiction at the time um, when they murdered my brother. Um, before I get into the case, I always like to begin with um, enlightening people about who my brother was to me and my family. Um, so I just want to start by saying that, um, well, well, speaking to the nature of the relationship of me and my brother. Um, my brother was born February 10th, 1990. On his third birthday, I was born. And ever since then, me and my brother, uh, we grew up close. Um, we did, we did so many things together. He taught me so many things. Um, from the from a toddler, he was my first playmate. He was who I, I have a younger sister, and um, he's my oldest brother. And we have two older siblings um, over top of him. But um, us two being like the middle middle children. Me and him kind of gravitated to each other more. And then us having the same birthday, we just acted a lot alike and um, understood each other in a different way. Um, as, as, as kids, we played all the different things together. I kind of acted as his, um, his little brother because um, he didn't have one. He was the only boy. So I did the wrestling with him. I did all that type of stuff with him. And um, fast forward to us as teens um, in high school, I, I distinctly remember going to high school. My brother, um, ninth, I was in ninth grade. He was in 12th. Um, before in elementary school, we didn't really go to school together because um, when I was in kindergarten, he was in fourth. But back then they had the intermediate school. So fourth grade was like more so with the fourth fifth and sixth graders, they had a separate school for that. So our first time going to school was in high school. And I just remember it um, feeling like uh, the red carpet was laid out for me. My brother was very popular, very well liked. He was very charismatic. Like um, a lot of people described him as um, being similar to Tupac because he was very knowledgeable on a lot of different topics and he knew how to hold court. Like he just commanded the attention from everyone in the room. Um, my brother, as far as like our whole family dynamic, he was like the heartbeat of, of the family, not just um, our immediate family, but with our cousins, uncles. He was everybody's favorite nephew, everybody's favorite cousin. And um, that started um, early on. He just like, in hard times, he was like the joy. He was like the light. You know, he would always crack jokes, you know, sing. He he was kind of like before his time. And he carried that um, through adulthood. You know, he carried the burden of making sure everyone was okay, uh, making sure everyone had a smile on their face. He just wanted to make sure his whole family, um, you know, was okay. That was always his thing. Um, and on January 13, 2021, those officers took that away from us. Um, my brother is a father of three. One of his children, his baby girl, um, won't even have any memory of him because she was only two months when he passed away. He, my brother was a great father. He was a provider. He was present. He was at the basketball games. He, you know, 
No one had to tell him what to do, even with him not having his real father in his life. No one had to tell him what to do. He just did. You know, it's like he did what he wanted, what he would what he would have wanted in a father. Um and like I said on January 13, 2021, that was all snatched away from us. Um, you know, suddenly. On that day, my brother was visiting my mother, which is something that uh he normally does. And I'm sorry, I just I just I'm just realizing right now this is the first time I'm talking about this and I haven't cried. We just talked about this last week, Jay. And um today I'm not crying, so I'm proud of myself for that. Um my strength is getting better. But um January 13th, mm-hmm. my brother was visiting my mom and my sister. This is something that he often do, like I said. He liked to check up on the family, make sure everybody was okay. And um, he left my mom's, uh, my mom, before he left, my mom brought him a pineapple soda. And then um, he was sitting in his car, which is also something that he normally does. Even if he's at his house, he'll sit in in his car, you know, in his driveway, watch YouTube videos, whatever, just to like decompress, you know, from whatever went on that day, that day, or just, that's just something that he just did. Um, eventually, um, he ended up falling asleep and when he awoke, he was surrounded, uh, by three officers who had his doors ajar. Um, they had already turned off his engine, um, and approached his vehicle exclaiming that they were looking for stolen, stolen cars. Um, the very act of them approaching my brother's vehicle, uh, without probable cause, was against, you know, um, was unlawful. Them opening opening his car doors, turn off his engine. Um, it was all a breach of his rights. Um, they even went on to uh, do a search of his car, an illegal search of his car, where they found a misdemeanor amount of weed, like a personal amount. Um, weed here in Delaware is decriminalized. Um, therefore, it's more like a civil uh, uh, offense. So, you know, you just get a ticket and that's it. Um, the officers knew that. So when they discovered the weed, they told my brother that they didn't give a shit about it. That was their exact words. But then they went on to say that they was going to drag him out of the car. Um, my brother, knowing his rights, I can't say for sure this is why he drove off because he's not here to defend himself. But me knowing my brother, I got to believe that him knowing his rights he he and, and also the history that he has with these police officers, him knowing his rights, he pulled off and drove away from the officers. The officers followed him up to a dead end because they were doing construction in the area where my mother lives. My brother had did a U-turn to, you know, go towards the exit, to leave to leave the area and get away from the harassment, get away from them breaching his constitutional rights. And um Instead of him being able to get away, um, three officers, like I said, were there. And the first officer shot him in his head just as he was pulling off. Before we got the video camera footage, those officers was trying to have us to believe, us in the public, they were trying to have us to believe that my brother tried to speed directly at these officers. They were trying to have us to believe that my brother was trying to run these officers over. But because of the protests that we done with another young lady who lost her brother in Wilmington, Delaware, to the Wilmington Police Department, Keandra McDowell, 
um, we did protesting at the chief of police house and we were able to get that body camera footage that refuted all of the lies that they initially released about what happened to my brother that night. As I was stating, my brother was pulling off to go to go away from the officers. And if you look it up on YouTube or just Google Amon Moses, you'll be able to see the video for yourself. My brother made two important moves to show that he had no intention of trying to hit any officer. He backed his car up and tried to steer to the right away from the officers who were more so to the left. And just as he was pulling off, he didn't even get a chance to, to get up any speed. Those all that that officer number one shot him in the head. He shot through the driver's side window, and that was the fatal shot that killed my brother. We didn't get an autopsy, but we got a death certificate that states that my brother, my brother died from a gunshot wound to the head, and my brother was Muslim. Um, so the guys who watched my brother, who's not even supposed to disclose this information, but because they knew it was foul play. They told us that they saw the gunshot wound to the side of his head so that we can, you know, go go about getting justice for my brother. Um, so right after my brother got shot in his head, uh, officer number two, we have to call him John Doe one, two and three, because like um, Jay Renee was explaining, we had the law enforcement officers Bill of Rights, also known as Leobor. And because of that, it's been eight months and we still don't know these officers names. So John Doe number two begins also shooting in the vehicle along with John Doe number one. And um, my brother is crashing at this point. He's already subdued. He's already dead and losing control of the vehicle. And they're still shooting. Airbags have been de de deployed and they're still shooting. Um, the third officer did not shoot. You can actually hear him in the video say, oh, my God, oh, my God, what the fuck? And that's because he realized, you know, that what these officers were doing were wrong. Since this all happened, um, myself, my family, and other activists in, in the community, as well as Jay, we've been, you know, protesting, just trying to get justice for my brother. We've met with the attorney general here, Kathleen Jennings. She has the power to indict these officers. In April, she told us that criminal charges had been brought up against these officers. Um, but then here in all, on August 6th, I spoke to the deputy attorney general, who's the um, investigator over the case. And he explained to me that on August 9th, which was when the uh, attorney general was supposed to be returning from vacation, um, they will be deciding if criminal charges will be pressed against these officers or um, if they will be releasing a report stating that these officers were justified um, in what they did to my brother. Um, I went on to ask that the, the uh, deputy attorney, attorney general, Mark A. Denny, would, would um, determine if these officers were justified or not. Because to me, you know, and to anybody else, we cl clearly seen on video that these officers broke the law. And his explanation to me was that they would um, be the, determining not only based off if they broke the law, but if they broke policy, if they went against the Leobor standards, if they went against the qualified immunity standards.
And those standards are things like uh, if the officer felt that he was in danger, even though the video clearly showed that he wasn't. But aside from that, there's a ban policy clearly listed on the Newcastle County Police Department's website. And that ban is a ban on shooting at moving vehicles. Um, I also know from a um, national police reform expert called Carlton Mayer that those officers also um, broke their jurisdictional policy where they have to get permission uh, from the police department that's over the city that they're in to even be in that city conducting investigations. So them even being in that city claiming that they're being in Wilmington, claiming that they're uh, um, doing an investigation on stolen vehicles, that was a breach of their policy. So there's two instances right there where we know that they already breached the policy, yet here we sit eight months later with no justice. Not even something as little as a name, not even something as small as them being fired for breaking their own policies. Everything that happened to my brother and it and, and it um, being proven to be, you know, unlawful and wrong is based off of these officers' own evidence and own policies. But yet I have a, uh, uh, well, we had an investigator on a case um, trying to conduct a biased investigation. Mark Denny, the deputy attorney general, said to me on the phone call on August 6th, that these officers were were justified in, in um, approaching my brother's vehicle because my brother was supposedly slumped over the steering wheel. But if you look at the video, just as I have, you'll see my brother was never slumped over the steering wheel. He was asleep with his head back on the headrest, which is what the headrest is for. Um, the release of the video was violent. The release of the video, they went on to, uh, before they released it, first of all, they wanted to tell the public what they were going to see in the video. And they also um, made an attempt to defame my brother by bringing up his past criminal record as if that was justification for, for them murdering him that night. My brother doesn't have a, um, a violent criminal record, but even if he did, he wasn't doing anything that night when they approached him. And even if he did have a violent criminal record, it's on his record, but he atoned for it if he did. You get what I'm saying? What I'm saying is that they're never justified in killing someone when that person is not in the act of committing a crime. They never had probable cause to approach him. Our brother wasn't doing anything wrong that night. He wasn't doing anything wrong. Visiting his mother sleeping in his vehicle since when does sleeping in your vehicle equal death um this is tough i know um, i know it's a lot sis i know it's a lot and um i appreciate you being here to let everyone know what's going on and i see you. your strength you are we're gonna you. be all right you know we're gonna continue to fight against this um like she was saying, it, it, we have this thing, we call it the Delaware Way. Mm -hmm. And the Delaware Way is 
one getting away with the crimes, two lying about their crimes, and and nobody cares. She brought up the Jeremy McDowell case. Y'all guys have heard me speak on it before. Okay, they have a history of this. This is not just one incident. They have a history of shooting unarmed people and lying about it. And then you have footage that comes out later that shows that they lied. They have a history of not being accountable for the things that they do. They have a history of it. It just and it continues to happen. So this is not a new thing, and it's not something that's going to stop without us being involved. You know. Um, so let everyone know. So what's going on? So it's been eight months. You said. So it's been eight months. So what is going on as far as with anything? Have you heard anything? Like or what's what's the holdup? What's the wait? Why? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Before the conversation with um, Mark Denny on August 6th, we didn't hear anything. We have a federal judge that was trying to apply pressure on them. But because of Leobor, um, the even the judge couldn't get the answers that we need for the civil suit part of it. Right. So our civil suit was paused. But me and my family, we're more focused on the criminal part of it. The right. civil suit, and this is this is um, verbatim what Mark Denny, what Mark Denny said. It's a part of the Delaware way. This is what Mardini said. I mean, you have more control over the civil suit. You know, you know, you're going to get some type of some form of uh, money for it. Wow. You know what happened? And even he's but, saying the Delaware way. So this isn't something that we're imagining. This is this is a real thing. This is what they do. They feel as though they can this just pay really us going- off, and that's it. it. And 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 we'll be okay with that. Um, but, um, from them, we haven't heard anything. Um, recently we was protesting at Mark Denny house for his statements, mm-hmm. uh, that, that let us know that he was, um, conducting a biased investigation. <coughs> Two of the ladies, Keandra McDowell, Jeremy McDowell's sister, <coughs> excuse me, and Christina Kelly were brought to litigation for our protest. Mm-hmm. What they tried to do was get a restraining order to keep us away from uh, their homes. We've been protesting, protesting at their front door. Rights. They love to violate they, people's rights. They do. They do. And the judge denied that. Um, in there, in the court documents, uh, the the AG, the Attorney General, um, tried to say that um, the protests are holding up uh, the investigation. Um, at the protest while we were there, they had our lawyer call us to basically tell us to stop protesting because it's just making Mark Denny angry. Another show of his hand exactly. to tell you that he was not, he had no intentions on conducting a non biased investigation exactly. on these police officers who murdered my brother. Um, since then, they, they um, have assigned someone else to the case, thankfully, and hopefully, this new person. Is going to do the job and um, you know, do an investigation that will lead to an arrest of these officers or an indictment of these officers. Um, other than that, we haven't heard nothing. We're just steady advocating. Um, the, uh, through the NAACP, I've been connected with um a guy named Carl Carlton Meyer. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a national police reform expert, meaning like he's worked on Capitol Hill on police reform. He's worked with the NAACP on police reform. He's worked with individual states. I believe Philadelphia being Philadelphia, Pennsylvania being one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, oh, oh, Maryland. Okay. Um, and he offered these services to the Newcastle County exec. He's wow. offered these services to uh, the mayor here in Delaware, the Newcastle mayor here in Delaware. He's offered these services to the Wilmington Police Department to consult them on um, community-centered, um, he doesn't even call it policing, community-centered, what does he call it? Uh, I forget the word, but he doesn't mm -hmm. use policing because policing, he says, only mm -hmm. focuses on one part of, of law enforcement, and that's enforcing the law. But what about community right. interaction? Right. What about pre pre preventing right. Right. you know police brutality? What about right. when pro police brutality happens, these officers being held accountable for it? That's He's what... offered these services to them and they did not take it. Um during the course of uh uh of, of our legislation on window being open uh for Leobore to be amended, mm -hmm. I was um actually working with these people, um, just as a like a, a community representative of what I think needed to be hap needed to happen uh, mm -hmm. to reform policing and reform Leobore. Um, so with that, um, Carlton Meyer agreed to contract with me to basically use his work, his whole outline to um, help consult uh, uh, the legislators here, uh, the right. police chiefs here, um, the different organizations who've been working on reforming Leobor, and um, that's just that's just what we're trying to do now. Mm -hmm. We're trying to make sure this doesn't happen to nobody else. Mm -hmm. Nobody else family has to cry, or you know, if this does mm -hmm. happen to somebody else, at least they know that the person who did this to their loved one will be you know punished for it. For real, so, for sure. You said that yeah. um, again. I want to say I appreciate you for coming on. You Thank know, you, you, continue, you will continue. You're welcome. You will continue to have my support. And hopefully we reached some people tonight that would like to support as well. So thank you thank again, you. my dear. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Um, so honored to have Lakeisha here to speak with us about her brother, about the man that he was, you know, so we can, he can be more to, than just the name and more than just something you're reading, real people's lives that are affected by the crimes of police officers. So we have to make sure that we stay actively involved, okay? If you would like more information on this case and how you can be involved, you see the number below, 914-655-4993. Send a text, all right? Send me the text, you can put Moses, all right? And I'll send information directly to your phone about this case, um, news links, how you can get involved and things like that. So we're at the last five minutes, okay? I appreciate everyone that watched this evening. I appreciate everyone that shared. Thank you very much. Um, this is what we do. We keep each other informed. We have to keep each other uplifted. Okay, we're gonna and make sure that we're checking on it. It is a marathon. This isn't a sprint, okay? You're going to have some times when you're tired. You're going to have some times where you're going to want to lay down. There's going to be some times you're going to have to need to lay down because you're tired, and that's okay. Remember, it's a marathon, and it's not a sprint. We're not, some of these things we're not going to get too fast. Some of these things we're going to be very frustrated because it seems like we're getting nowhere, but you just have to pace yourself. Continue the fight. Keep up the good fight. Okay. I get that from um, Brother D. Hall in Delaware. He always said, keep up the good fight.
And that's what we're trying to do, right? Keeping up the good fight. Okay. All right. I invite you to come back. Um, I also invite you to add me. You can add me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. All right. Under the J Renee. I would appreciate that. And be sure to add Plus Nation. Okay. Again, I thank everyone for coming. I thank everyone for sharing. If you have something going on, something that you need brought to light um, with you or a family member, please feel free to text the same number, 914-655-4993, and just text help. Okay. And somebody will hit you back and find out what's going on with you. That's open to anyone that's incarcerated, affected by incarceration, a regular citizen, an activist, someone that might I'd be interested in acting about what's going on and what they can get involved with. Remember, there's lots of different ways that you can get involved. You might can do boots on ground, but you might can share. You might be able to have the ability to speak to people. You might be a writer. You might, you know, have different connections where you can connect people together. Find your place in this fight, but just find your place. Okay. No one is going to do it for us. They're not going to give it to us. As we see, we have to fight for things that should come to us easily. And until we don't have to fight so hard, we will continue to fight. And if we don't see it in our time, we will see it. Or if we don't see it in our time, we hope that our babies will see it or their babies. Okay. We, we don't want to pass down troubles. If anything, we want to pass the baton, but we definitely don't want to just fall out of the race. So I appreciate y'all. Please be sure to add me and to add Plus Nation. I hope that y'all have a great weekend, a very safe Friday. And don't forget to take care of yourself. And I'm going to holler back. Y'all have a good evening. You can't have a conversation about race in the criminal justice system without somebody talking about the new Jim Crow. The new Jim Crow is basically the Bible when it comes to answering questions around mass incarceration. The new Jim Crow is about how our system of mass incarceration threatens to undermine everything that we've worked for to get to this point in this country. If you think of a whole 200 years this nation's been in existence, we've incarcerated more people in the last 20 years and we did for the entire history of the United States. About reading the new Jim Crow's, Michelle Alexander approached it initially from a skeptical point of view. And she started it by saying that she was someone who didn't believe that the prison industrial complex could be compared to slavery. And it was sort of taking the journey with her as she learned things she was sharing them with people. The new Jim Crow makes the argument that our criminal justice system, especially the war on drugs component of it, has become a new system of racial caste subordination that operates very much like the old system of Jim Crow. Well, it's called the